How did God use five ordinary moms in the Bible to do amazing things? Tamar Miller wrote the book, Odd Moms Out, and in her book, she shares stories of five biblical mothers central to the genealogy of Christ. And we're going to be talking about redemption through those lives today on the call. Well, Tamar, you focus on five mothers of the thread to Jesus. What are their common threads? Um, one of the major common threads is that they are part of the same lineage of Jesus Christ, which happens to fall under uh, Jacob's son, Judah, and, and how that got started. And so when you look at Matthew chapter one, there's five women that are actually listed and referenced in that passage of scripture um, among a, a lot of other um, ancestors that are males. And so it fascinated me that those five women were mentioned even though Abraham's wife is not mentioned in that particular lineage or other other famous women, if you will, of the, the Hebrew nation. And so that really kind of helped me start looking at, okay, we're looking at one lineage here. However, it ends up at Jesus Christ. Uh, let's take a look at what these wives and mothers had involved in that common thread. So in the book, you show how two of the women, Tamar and Rahab, were getting what they wanted and how is this overshadowed by their faith? Well, it's interesting because um, both of those ladies often get somewhat of a bad rap, I guess, because yeah. of their stories. But their stories are included and they and they, you know, they're included um, as well so that you can see, wow, they probably should have never been, uh, you know, even included in the line of this royal family. I mean, really, it was going to be the line of David, this royal family of Abraham. Um, because of their background and even because they were considered Gentiles. And so the fact that they did not um, allow themselves to be hindered in what God had called them to do, which um, for Tamar was going to be a part of Judah's family. And after attempting to um, follow suit to the Leverite marriage law and, and be married to the sons of Judah, she still had no child. And so she maybe she felt desperate to have to create a plan uh, to, the, to that. And same with Rahab. It was like, man, I'm, I want to I want to be saved from this destructive nation. You're about to come in. I'm I'm believing the God that you are announcing that's going to come destroy Jericho. I don't I want to live. I want my family to live, you know. What does that mean? I'm I'm going to express my faith while I try to help you. So it's a very fascinating way that these two women were grafted into the family of Judah um, by faith and just attempting to carry out what God had called them to. Yeah, isn't that hard sometimes for women to just step out in their faith like that and and take charge of a, a of a situation or um you know go boldly in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Because I mean that happens today. I can feel very timid about going boldly in prayer or by faith and you know, even just a small ounce of faith. And they were in much more difficult situation than even sometimes we are today um, to take a risk, to um, confront even a man or to um, not disrespectfully, not even in a in a way that somehow would be dishonoring, but um, in a way that says, hey, I'm we've got some things happening here and this is kind of scary. I need to figure out what's going on. And and at the same time, their trust was greater in the the God of Israel than it was in their circumstances or the people that they were facing at the time. Yeah. And can you imagine all the spiritual warfare they were going through? Oh, no, I can't imagine. Can't I imagine. Mean, 
I mean, they were they were probably fighting Satan the whole way because they knew that, you know, there may be times of doubt. Right. In the midst of carrying out your faith like that, you're doubting you're doing the right thing. And so, you know, where do you see that going? Exactly right. I mean, that's sometimes just the whole essence of faith is to step out, even though you doubt that there's there's something more that's driving you Um, for us. Those that have been saved by Christ it's the Holy Spirit that is is counseling you and helping you, of course, with the the text of the word, the word of God. But for them, a lot of times it was like, you know, it had already been spoken through the line of Abraham that there was this, um, you know, lineage of David and lineage, this seed that that was going to be coming through for redemption. So even if you have that story that's going through your mind of, hey, I've been told some stories for Rahab. Hey, I have heard around town that this God of Israel has done this, this and this. I may not know him personally, but he sure sounds like he's he shouldn't be reckoned with, you know. So I think that when you begin to hear more of the consistent stories of God, you, it helps you with the doubts for things that are uncertain. Yeah, it's almost like you got to put your armor on and start walking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So so how did the these stories point to Jesus? Well, that could take another hour and we don't have that, but <laughs> <laughs> Really, it, it continues to just show that the the need for God, uh, the need for Christ, for a Savior, for a Redeemer, um, the the fact that these women were chosen because of God's design for that, His purpose, and yet they were all in need of a Savior. And in you know Ephesians two eight nine by by faith by grace God saves you through faith, and it's not of ourselves. And so again, that didn't change there just because Christ physically in a human form wasn't on the scene until you know the lineage of Mary but it was that hey I'm exercising a faith in God um, that that eventually will point to a savior that is needed so that those who would believe would be saved for eternity uh, Mm. because we can't save ourselves well you know through the stories God's grace is so clear to us is this part of what God wants us to see in our own lives Absolutely. I think so often um, God's grace and his mercy is just missed or it's not embraced. It's not received. Sometimes we just struggle so much with the essence of forgiveness that that is such a huge part of of the gospel that you recognize you're, you're a sinner, that you need God's forgiveness and you seek the one who can provide that. And in it not matter where you come from, what your story is, but that you have surrendered your life to a to a God that loves you and cares for you um, and has provided a way through Christ um, and a way through his word to be saved and to be forgiven. And so I think so often to receive that grace enables you then to be able to give that grace because we live in a, in a society where we just hunger and thirst for grace and mercy Um and it's not to turn a blind eye to wrong and somehow make everything right. It gets so convoluted sometimes, but it really is to say, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling. Can you just just cut me some slack a little bit and offer some grace and let me receive that grace? Therefore, you begin to share in a relationship that is meant to be um, in a, a valuable uh, design of the of the church of Christ, you know, that, that God would bring people that have at one point been um, in friction and hostile, but because of the grace and mercy of God and because of the, the salvation he provides, we can get along, we can be at peace and it's for the glory of God and for our good. I love that you explain that way of grace because a lot of people don't really understand grace and how God has given us grace through shedding of his blood. So that's wonderful. Thank you for covering that. And so- <laughs> Yeah. 
You know, um, you know, I love, I love the book of Ruth. Okay. So, you know, she goes beyond from being, she goes from being an outsider to an insider and how did God reward her for faith and, and for her commitment to her mother-in-law? This, this I love, this I love. Yes, I do love this too. And you would be amazed how many uh, young women uh, that I have run into and visited with uh, who have some friction with their mother-in-law. Now, my mother-in-law uh, passed many years ago, but we had our, and I loved her and we had a good relationship, but we had our share of frictions. And I think it's because you're sharing a common love for the same man, which is the son of the mother um, and your husband. And so you just have different ideas of, of how that man should be cared for. And so the fact that Ruth, again, she was a Moabite, which had been a nation that was enemies with Israel, would somehow still become a part of this family with Ruth and um, choosing to stay with her mother-in-law, even though her husband had passed, even given an out. Ruth gave her an out, you know, excuse me, Naomi gave Ruth an out. You don't have to stay. You've got a mom, a dad and family stay here. And she said, no, I'm going to claim your God as my God, because she had seen something in Ruth and this family that you believe in someone that is different than the idols that we believe in. And I want to know that once you got, I'm going to stay with you. And, and because of that, we're introduced to really this biblical um, representation of a family redeemer um, who could come and and provide payment, even though you could not um, pay for what, you know, you owe or or what is kind of rightfully yours. And so I love this story because it just shows a loving and compassionate young woman that is trying to enable an older woman who's very upset, has lost a lot, but to remind her of the God that they serve and he can redeem any situation he chooses to. And I love the way that she didn't know her God. She, you know, Ruth did not know Naomi's God, but she was blessed by this and 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 her seed went forward yes. so how amazing is that we see that you know Bathsheba's story and her decision of adultery and how does that really line up with Jesus I mean can you talk about that ah this is such a tough one and this was actually a very personal story to study because of the amount of um how adultery has touched so many family members and friends and just people in the church because we're just not exempt from um, sadly going in that direction. You know, uh, my husband and I, like everybody else, are fighting for our marriage to be able to continue to, to remain pure and uh, in that. But what is so neat about the story, one, is that it shows that a man after God's own heart, like David, is still susceptible to temptation and sin and at the same time, he's not exempt from reconciliation. He's not exempt from repentance and, and God delivering him, even though he did suffer, both of them suffered consequences in the loss of a child. But he's, if you look at even the way that their family came together, um, even though that was not of God and he was confronted by that and she had to deal with even the loss of her husband, it's such a picture of the gospel of this reconciliation of forgiveness and repentance and how you can keep moving forward, even if you've been kind of stung by your past or past decisions. It doesn't have to shape your future. And for them, they were able to come together as husband and wife, David and Bathsheba, have Solomon, who was uh, positioned for the throne. She was actually very influential, um, politically speaking, after David passed, if you look into First Kings. And so if you read parts of Proverbs, you see that Solomon was very much 
spiritually influenced well by both parents. They wanted to do things differently. They wanted the family to be um, able to grow and, and flourish regardless of how that beginning started. And it showed just more highlighting of the the amazing grace and mercy of God than anything that um, could be happening from a sinful past. Mm. Well, my last and favorite is Mary, the mother of Jesus. How did she even like, you know, think about it? You're a virgin. You're maybe you're that generation that's going to be bringing in the Messiah. But she's like, what me? And how is her faith seen here? Well, Mary was really was the most memorable one to study. And I really tried to study her story and teach about her study. I'm separated from Jesus, but obviously that's extremely difficult. But I wanted mm -hmm. to look just how it would have been like to to literally raise kids on the opposite ends of a holiness spectrum. You've got the perfect son of God. I mean, I don't even know what would be spoken at a dinner table about you know, when you're having the birds and the bees talk with your kids and then there's <laughs> Jesus conception. I don't even know where that falls in there. Yeah. But, you know, and so um, again, she, she the fact that she had such a, a humble spirit and she was ready to obey God, even though she didn't have all the answers and married to Joseph. Joseph, too, was just called to be, you know, they sometimes call him the adopted father, or the foster father of Jesus. But she was one of the few women that got to see every aspect of the human earth, uh, human life of Jesus, you know, from birth to death to resurrection. And so the fact that she had to continue to exercise faith in such a way where there was a there was a separation at one point where Jesus was no longer necessarily going to be referred to her as the, the mother and son. It was going to need to be the sinner and the savior. And um, that's what's hard for people to recognize is that Mary was, yes, a favored, valued woman, but she was not without sin, even if the Bible doesn't speak of any of that because of, of gosh, Genesis 3, go back to Genesis 3. But she was given a very beautiful calling um, to care for the son of God temporarily. I love to study when he was a teenager or an adolescent 12 and making his mother worry, going, why? Why, why are you worried? And I think, oh my goodness, every mother can <laughs> experience that with their children. Talk about anxiety. <laughs> yeah. not, not only did I lose my son, but he's the son of God. Like That's I, right. I I'm, lost not, him. I'm supposed to be watching him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really neat just to see the way um, she cared for him until the very end. I, I really cannot imagine. I can't even, I've written about it and I read the, you know, sometimes look at contents of my book and I still get upset. The thought of being a mother to two sons and having to watch him as a mother being crucified um, as a perfect son for the sins of those and hearing him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's just a, again, it's just a, 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 a crazy time to think about. I've heard my kids ridiculed and made fun of, but it's never been in a way that they have, have reached that. And so the fact that Jesus still shows such a humility and a willingness to obey his father, um, I feel like that's a little piece of Mary that he exemplified. So my last question to you is, is how, how does God use us to step out of our comfort zone to serve him? And how can we, you know, not be afraid? You know, I, I appreciate that question because I'm constantly reminded that scripture reminds us that apart from Christ, we can do nothing, but with Christ, anything's possible. 
And so part of that really is that we have an accurate view of Christ. We have an accurate view of the gospel and the strength of the Holy Spirit that resides in those that have been saved. And that counselor and helper of the, the Holy Spirit, he's, you know, by his power, we're able to step out in faith. We can step out of our comfort zone. We can accomplish things that God has called us to, um, even if it is kind of scary, because that is a constant reminder of our need for God to be sustained by him, to to get into his word, to be reminded of who God is, to know that, wow, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives within me, the same power that saves me. I can't save my children. I can't save my husband, but I sure can tell them about the one that that can save them. And so I think as we begin to constantly grow in our knowledge of Christ and who he is and was and has done for us, I think it helps us step out of that, which is scary, to truly seek the will of God and how he would use our lives to impact others and point those lives and those stories to Jesus Christ and the need for Christ. Wonderful. Well, you can get a copy of your book where? Amazon. <laughs> it's available in a lot of other areas, but Amazon has it in four different formats. So if you want Audible or Kindle or anything like that. And and you have a website? I do, TamarMiller.com. Wonderful. And so what would you like to leave my audience with today? I want to say that um, I appreciate you all even considering listening to um, me talk about God's grace, but to really embrace God's grace and to embrace his word and get to know your Savior even more because you'll get to know his grace even more. How can you be a loyal servant to God and those you serve? Well, in Ruth 1.16, it says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. When you let others know that you were there for them, you will help them in their struggles and be loyal and trustworthy. That's how God wants our relationship with him to be. He wants it to be obedient, to do his will, and to look to him during our battles. Now let your walk shine the light of Christ in you. So do you listen to the call of God? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to the call? Sound is